0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of this bonus series in conjunction with Tipperary Midwest Radio. In this episode, Stevie O'Donnell and our own Francis Cochran look back on Cashel king successful year of 1991. This is the West Awake podcast, West Tip Matters.
1: The West's awake, the West's awake. Another goal! And it's Eugene O'Neill has got it! ...by Johnny Ryan.
0: He's one of the two Johnnies playing at midfield today.
2: Very precise and Brian Fox with Tipperary's
3: first score. Right
0: it's a goal, and it. This is Tipperary Midwest Radio Sport with Stevie O'Donnell. The
4: real voice of Tipperary.
0: And with that, now I'm going to move on to some galley games in 1991. What a fantastic year. It was really a year to remember for Cashel King Cormac's. Winning multiple titles, including West and County Under-21A Hurling Championship, Weston County Junior A Hurling Championship, Weston County Senior Hurling Championship, and to cap it all off, they went on to become the first and only West Prairie Senior Hurling Team to win the Munster Club Senior Hurling Championship, and this was against Middleton, December the 8th, down in Mitchellstown. Francis Cochran, good morning to you. Good
1: morning to you, Stevie. Start there with the under-21A Hurling Championship. Just four teams took part in the West under-21A Hurling Championship for 1991. They were drawn as follows. John Tracy's Aherlow versus Kashuk and Cormac and Cap Airof versus Kickham. Cap Airof had a comfortable 2-11, 7-point victory over Kickham's gold in May 4th, while Kashika and Cormac scored a 3-14 to 2-7 success over Tracy's Aherlow at Canolte on May the 11th. The final was played at Sean Tracy Park on August the 18th. Cashel were hotly fancied with just a minute of normal time left in the first half, the scoreboard read four points apiece. Then, however, Cashel took command, and two William Harding goals, as the game went over three minutes into added time, set up an internal advantage for the King Carmacks with two five to six points. Immediately on the restart, Joel O'Leary points for Cashel, and then a long delivery from T.J. Colony went all the way to the cafe rogue net to effectively kill the contest. Kilcomerock's retained their title by 3.13 to one nine. T.J. Colony accepted the cup as team captain. For the county semi-final, Castle travelled together to play South Champions Ballangary on November the 24th. The driving wind and rain made conditions almost impossible, but a matter little to the Kilcomerock who blew their southern opponents away with half a dozen goals. Noel Murphy scored 3 3 with Remy Ryan, Timmy Maloney and Joe O'Leary grabbing the remaining goals. Cashel will their opponents by 6 3 to 2 points. In the county final, Cashel faced North Champions there and Hope, a combination of Boris and Akshigauna at Temple Moor on december the fifteenth. King Cormas were going for an unprecedented county treble with the senior and junior trophies already on the sideboard. Cash inevitably were fancied, but they were worried as they trooped off at half time with a scoreboard reading four points apiece. However, in the third quarter, Cashel turned up the heat. Points and TJ Colony, James e. O'Donoghue, and LB Bonner saw them open up a gap that never subsequently closed. The North Champions needed a goal, but it never came, and Cashel took their first-ever county title at this level, on a final scoreline of 12 points to 7. A total of 14 teams entered the West Junior A-Horning Championship for 1991, which was played on a league basis. Teams are divided into two groups, with the top two from each section qualifying for the semi-finals. Group 1 contained Aherlow, Araville Rovers, Hay Rogue, Rockwell Rovers, Rose Green, Sean Tracys and Salahead. While Group 2 featured Kepa White, Kashigan Cormac, Emily, Kickham, Latton Cullen, Golden Canfeekel and Kenolty ross more. and Rose Green qualified from Group 1, while Kickham, after a playoff with Kenolty and Kashigan Cormac, emerged from Group 2 to attest the semi-finals. Both semi-finals were played on October the 13th. At Sean Tracy Park, Cashier Cormac had a comfortable 3-14 to 3-5 win over Salahead, while at Kenolte, Rose Green had a narrow 2-6 to 1-6 win over Kickham. At Soda Fine, there was a repeat of the local derby of 1990. It was again played at Cash on October the 20th, where all the excitement of the previous year was revisited. The defending champions, Rose Green, got away to a flying start when Bernard Ryan hit a goal in the opening minute and John O'Crady quickly followed with a pint. However, cash was steadied after, upset, after that upsetting start and points and Sean Flattery, 3-2 from freeze and Liam Davis levelled the game after 18 minutes. But Rose Green finished strongest in a fluxating half and Pints and Michael Fanning, Paul Cormack and Bernard Ryan set up their interval lead of 1-5 to 4 points. Entering the final quarter, Rose Green were still 5 up, But then Peter Vassell go for Cashel to set up a hectic finish. Cashel now began to close on their neighbours. Joe O'Leary and Liam Devitt had the sides level with nine minutes of frantic action left. John Vassell was now making a significant impact for Cashel at midfield. Just three minutes remained when Sean Morrissey created the opening for Peter Vassell to hit the winning point. The King Cormac had reversed the previous year's result by the slender submerging, 110-19. to 19. Raymond Davron was a jubilant captain who accepted the cup from Jim Ryan, chairman of the West Board. On November 3rd, Cashel played St. Patrick's Strangon in the county semi-final at Borlaan. The King Cormac led six points to four at the interval but were headed in the third quarter when the Southmen grabbed the game's only goals. Whoever was a score that inspired Cashel more than St. Patrick's. The West champions kept their opponents scoreless for the remainder of the game but they tacked on the winning points. The final score was 10 points to 1-4 as the West champions qualified for a county final hit with mid-champion, Calais. The final was played at Littleton on November the 23rd. Cash got a tonic start and Peter a gold in the opening minute. The score gave them their cushion of 1-2 to 3 points. The decisive moment in the second half came in the 17th minute, when Sean Slatty was pulled down for a Kasia cash penalty. Kasia leave was still a mere 2 points at this stage, but Slattery buried the penalty shot to give his side a decisive advantage. They needed it all, because Collette put in the strong finish, and with the mid-team goal right in the call of time, just a single point separated the side. A score of 2-4 to 1-6, Cachala won their first county junior title since 1953. Nine teams affiliated with the 1991 West Senior Hurling Championship, and the draws resulted as follows. The preliminary rounds to Sean Tracy's take on that, Sean Tracy's Atherlow take on Western Gales. The first round were Kickers versus Catechick Carma, Golden and Latin versus Kenolty was more, and rogue versus Arable-Galty. Kappa White would take on the preliminary round winners. In the preliminary round, Sean Tracy's Atherlow hammered Western Gales by 4.15 to 1-7. The first round tied between Golden and Latin and Kenolty came close to a shock result when Nicky English sent the game to a replay with an injury time leveler. However, Conolly availed of the replay to hammer out a high score, and a final count of 3.18 to 4.6. There were other first-round wins for Kashika Carmux three twelve to one eight, and Aragalgalty who surprised the rogue in a scoreline of three twelve to two five. In the second round, Kappa White were too strong for Sean Tracy's Aherlow, winning the end by two fourteen to seven points. The way it was then clear for the semi-finals, the first of which brought Kappa White and Galti to golden on August the eleventh. Kappa White were understandably fancied against the intermediate combination. by so half time the sides were level. Kappa won four, Arvigdalsey seven points. Joran needs hit the Kappa White goal early on, but Sean McCarthy was in sharp shooting form from freeze, keeping the combination in touch. 23 minutes into the second half, Kappa White were still just a point off and struggling to shake off the combination. Then, however, it all happened for Kappa, who slapped home two goals in the final moments to win by 3 9 to 11 points. During the and John Fox O'Neill, the goal getters. The second semi final brought Cashel and Kenoti to Sean Tracy Park in September the eighth. This was a hugely anticipated clash. Cashel led by eight points to four at the end of the first half, saw so Connell Bonner helped the way to hospital after a heavy charge from Dex and Rhine. Had a tonic start to the second half when Pat O'Donoghue put an own goal in on the cash and net after Peter Hayes followed with a point to level the game. However, the King Cormac's response was rapid. John Grogan spammed home a goal, and the reigning champions held the initiative from there on, although not really clinching the verdict until T.J. Connolly hit their second goal near the end. Casha won by two forty to one ten. The final was at Canalty in a windy, showery September the twenty-second. It was a dour, dogged final with little free flow. Cashel were hotly fancied, but struggled to justify the tag. Despite playing with the wind in the first half, the reigning champions were a mere point ahead at the interval, five points to four. Early in the second half, Kappa White drew level, but man of the match, James O'Donoghue, soon a cashel back in front, though they were never subsequently caught, so the lead always remained vulnerable. In the end, Kappa White wasted, coupled with an error, Unerring accuracy of Tommy Grogan, he pointed 10 of the 12 points from freeze. James O'Donoghue got the other two with a crucial factor. So it wasn't until late in the hour when Cashin made the victory safe. The final score was 12 points to 8. Conor Bonner was the winning captain and James O'Donoghue, the EIB, Men of the Match recipient. Cashin and Capo the date with the South Division in the county quarterfinals played at Golden on September the 29th. It was to be a happy day for the West Division. For West Champions Cashel, there was no more than an afternoon stroll against the defeated South finalist, Carrick Swan. King Cormac said the game wrapped up at time but they led by 2.15 to two points. Dexter McGrath, baseman for the injured Cormac Bonner, got both goals. Tommy Grogan's free-taking was another big item in farm. form. By the end of the hour, they crushed the South team by 4.18 to seven. The second game for Kappa White faced South Champions it all was somewhat closer at least for 40 minutes. With the win behind him in the first half the Southman led by 8 points to 1-4 at half time. John O'Neill the Kappa White goal scorer. The remain tied for the first 10 minutes of the second half was then Kappa cut loose and Ramton won 5 without reply in less than 5 minutes. Bazooka-like scoring bar Fields for Kappa announced the Nationalist headline the following week. By the end the West Runners up went 2 and a score of 2.18 to 13 points. The semi finalists took the West teams to Turles in October the 27th. Cash's engagement was repeated the previous year's quarter final against Tumi Vara in a repeat result. Tumi Vara started well and was 3 points to 1 up when Cormac winner grabbed the crucial goal midway through the first half. That score gave the Cormacs an interval lead of 1-5 to 5 points. The lead shrunk to a single point here in the second half. But then Big Bonner struck again for his second goal, another crucial input to Cashew's bid to reach the second consecutive final. With TJ outstanding, the King Cormac held the two bid at bay and won through in the end by 2.10 to 13 pints. Michael O'Meara and James O'Donnell were sent off during the second half. In the second semi final, the Kappa White faced reigning champions Holy Cross and they came tantalising close to touring an All West decider. By the end of the first quarter, Kappa led by 1.6 to 4 pints. Ty O'Neill, the goal scorer. By half-time, they were still leading by two pints, 1-6 to 7 points. In the third quarter, however, Holy Cross left their mark in the game, A Pat Cattle-Gold, and the mid-side went into a one twelve to 1-9 lead. However, Capo retaliated with goals from Dora and Anthony O'Neill to hit the front once more by 3-9 to one twelve. The champions were in trouble with typical resilience. They weathered the storm and hit five unanswered points to regain the lead. A lead they held to the end despite desperate efforts by Kappa to save the day. The final score read 117-310. to 310. The final, a repeat of the previous year, went ahead at Simple Stadium in November the 10th. As a repeat encounter, there was bound to be extra tension in the air and referee Johnny McDonald had to start out a flare-up at the Holy Cross half during the opening period. By then, Pat Cahill put in a goal for Holy Cross after cash and goalie John Ryan hesitated. Holy Cross had a considerable assistance with a strong wind at this stage, their interval lead of 1-4 to 4 points was modest. It remained tight in the third quarter before James Dillon set up Tommy Grogan for a crucial cash of gold midway through the second half. Cash were now 2-up, but a michael died point for Holy Cross reduced the margin to just one. It was to be the mid-team's only flag of the second half. Still, the issue hung delicately in the balance the Carmichael hammered home a clinching goal near the end they gave to the final margin of six, two to one five, more comfortable than it had been for the much of the hour. And last Casher were truly king of the Tipperary Hurling. Years of frustration forgotten. Colin Bonger mounted the steps to accept the trophy from another Westman, County Chairman Nick McGuire. Aesthetic players and followers launched into a boisterous what the hell do we care, as Casher's greatest hurting moment was relished by all. Ramey Ryan won one of the match awards, something he had become accustomed to on county final day after twice accepting similar honours following county minor deciders. The new champions had little time to celebrate because the following week they were off to Innes to face Clare Titan holders Clare Castle in the Munster semi-final. Conditions were awful at Innes, but Cashel made the most of them. They laid 173 points at half They'll be battered, the the scorer, and Anthony Daly penalty goal Early in the second half, this seems to signal better prospects for the Clare side. But when James Hiddenahook picked Cash's second goal 19 minutes into the second half, all doubts were vanished. In the end, Cash's win was comprehensive 3 11 to 2 4. It was on then to Mitchellstown on December the 8 for a Munster final clash with Cork champions Middleton. The Cork men had frustrated Kappa White and Boris Lee on previous occasions. So Cashel faced the decider aware of their opponent's tradition amongst the hurling. The game was a defence dominated, low scoring and dour affair. However, Cashel showed their potential for merely and led at halftime by five points to two. In the second half, they continued to hold the initiative and at the call of time were winners by nine points to six. It was a superb defensive display, particularly the saw the Cashel King Cormacs through, although midfield captain Colin Bonner was another shining star. In added time, at the end of a bruising encounter, Cormac Bonner and Middleton fullback Sean O'Brien were sent off. It was a minor blemish and another glorious day for Cashel, the first West Tip club to win a Munster Club title. With Munster conquered, Cashel celebrated Christmas and waited for the spring and their bid for all Ireland glory. February the 9, 1992 was a next outing involving a trip to Rice Tip in London for an All-Ireland quarter-final bout with local club Sean Tracy. Cashel were hot favourites and expectations were realised that they led by 16 points to two at half time. In the end it was all very one-sided as the Munster champions won by 23 points to six. The absence of a goal, the only slight blemish. Tommy Grogan scored 10 points. The All-Ireland semi final about Galway champions, Homer to Cashel on February 23rd. The home-sided Jordan torrid opening 20 minutes at the end of which they trailed by a single point to 1-6 for the visitors. Justin Campbell was the goal scorer. Yet Cashel, out of starts with their game, manufactured two goals just before half time, scored by James O'Donoghue and TJ Connolly. After all their difficulties, they retained or retired a mere goal adrift, 1 8 2 2. Cashel quickly got on level terms there in the second half, and the remainder of the game was tense and tied. In the end, John Grogan, equaliser and Cashel had to be content with a second chance. The final score read Cashel 2-7 to Comer 1-10. Justin Kemmer was declared man of the match. A fortnight 9 later was off to Duggan Park by the slow for the replay, as in the initial game, Cashel played without the injured John Grogan, were in trouble in the opening quarter as they drifted five points behind. However, as DJ Conley goes, Cashel's first score after 16 minutes rallied the side, and they trailed by a mere point at the break. Not 6 to 1 2. In the second half, Homer once again slipped five points clear, and again Cashel had to retrieve the situation. This time it was the Timmy Maloney penalty goal that resurrected Cashel's speed and at the close, it was the TJ Conley point to finally level the game once more 2 5 to 11 points. The first round of extra time saw so Cashel led for the first time in the contest with Tommy Grogan Points. It was short lived, however, till Tomer then gold and with five points up once more. To cash and Rise again. By half that extra time, they clawed their way back with three points and swapped in, spaining by a mere two points, one fourteen to two nine. Into the second half period of extra time and finds that DJ Conley and Tommy Grogan tied the match once more. It was nailed by the good air to the end. Tiltomer had made a last second chance when Jamie and Curley was wide from a twenty metre free. Cashel survived once more on the final score of 2-11, Stilthomers 1-14. The second replay went ahead at Crow Park in St. Patrick's Day on Tuesday, March 17. At half Cashel trailed by a point, five points to 1-3, despite playing with the wind. In the third quarter, John Grogan goal signaled a promising spell for Cashel as they took the lead by 1-7 to 1-6. The contest remained in a knife edge right to the end, However, in the last quarter, Cashel was dealt a heavy blow when Callum Bonner retired with a hand injury. And eventually, Katoma looked the score to the side of this marathon. Substitute Tony Fury stepped behind cornerback Michael Perdue to tuck away the winning goal. Katoma went by two ways to one eight, And so ended the Cormac's of all our glory. It had been an epic fight, Cashel's greatest odyssey, which faltered so close to the pinnacle. Phil Homer Julie B. Barr in the All Ireland, adding to Cash of Sense to what might have been. Still, it was an unforgettable year for this proud West Pip club.
3: Tipperary Midwest Radio Sport.
0: And a little bit earlier, I spoke to John Ryan Bob, the goalkeeper. Full back, Pat O'Donohue. Corner forward, Ailby Bonner. But we will first hear from team selector, Brendan Bonner. And I first asked him, what did Justin McCarthy bring to the team? Justin brought a belief in us. He could not believe that we had
5: such a strong panel, that how we weren't winning and he gave us a belief in ourselves. He brought a professionalism to it. The club had to spend money on us, track suits, meetings where we had meetings the whole time. All our meetings before games were in the Castle Palace where we had a meal and a chat and everything had to be the best and give us that belief that we are good enough
0: and that there wasn't any reason that we shouldn't be willing. Did you think yourself that you were good enough? Because if you look at the team on paper, the majority of people would say, that's a fabulous
4: team.
5: Yeah, but it became a fabulous team quickly. A lot of those players, you go back two years before that, there was five or six weren't even on the team. There were young players that came on and there were older players that had, like Tommy Grogan in 88 had decided to give it a break. Cormac was transferred to Limerick. He decided to give it a break and we had to try and get all of those back. And there was a lot of work, but the quality was there. The balance was there. The right amount of fire that was needed and skill and everything was there was a great blend. Talk to me about training. Well training it was the first time we got to the county final the previous year Justin McCarthy was there the previous year as well but it was the first time where you'd go to the field and if you're late going to the field you weren't part of the match because there could be 33, 34, 35 in the field and it was 15 aside. so it was Excellent on that end of it and Justin just was skills mad. Everything was skill and it wasn't a case of doing a skill and we do this skill. He could turn around and show fellas how to cut a sideline over from 70 yards. It wasn't a case of
0: do this. He could show them how to do it. That was impressive as well. LB, you were playing in corner forward position, but I suppose really you were given a free role or were you told to stay inside?
4: No, everyone's position was your position. There was no real free rolls. How did you take the training then when Justin came in? Is, uh, it was all different. It was all new. It was like He was bringing the, that cork element into us, and 30 balls inside in the field, and you were just running all over the place. And this was something that we'd never done before. so It was all new, so it was... It was excellent, yeah. It brought you on in leaps and bounds? It brought us on, yeah. We were young, as in I was only 19, 20, when we played in that county final that year, and Ramey and TJ, like we were the young crew that came on. So, I mean, like, we hadn't ever had any outside training, apart from you would be on the county minor team. What match
0: stood out for you in the West Championship?
4: For me, the Canolte game, and that was played Sunday after the All-Ireland, and that was the semi-final. And they were always our biggest hurdle. Of course, after 1990, the only team that were going to catch us, if anyone was going to catch us, I felt it was Connolly. On that Sunday, then it was a real warm Sunday inside in Tid town. I didn't start that day, but Connell got injured and had to go off, and so I came on. Say the game was non-fifteen minutes, but that one game, I knew once we got over that hurdle, because of the previous year getting to the county final, we felt that we should have won in '90. I felt that we were always going to get there.
0: And there was no player ever guaranteed his place on the team.
4: It was always competition. Even if you got injured, you didn't try to stay out too long because if you were out long enough, you wouldn't get your place back in it. As younger lads, we'd won a lot. We'd won two county minor finals. We were used to winning and we just didn't know anything else, and uh, we probably brought a bit of that to the more experienced lads. So, you knew how to get over the finish line? Yeah, we were confident. But then we had great hurlers around you when you had the likes of Paffit and the Grogan's. Like, they had savage experience and would have hurled for tip for years. If you're playing corner forward or wing forward or wherever you're playing, and if corner back got the ball, you knew where
0: it was coming and you knew where to be. And that was all coming from the coach
4: and with Justin? That was all coming from the coach with Justin. And then, of course, you had the lads that were in with the county seniors. Everybody at some stage wore a county jersey. John Bob wore a County Limerick jersey at minor level. Every single person on that team wore the County jersey at some stage at minor or under
0: 21. And again, it goes back to what I was saying to Brendan a little bit earlier. When you look at the team on paper, it really was a fabulous team, let's be fair.
4: Uh, it was. But Hurling in the West that time was very, very strong. Like, if you came out of the West, you had a good chance going on to the county. Like, Connaughty, they had a savage team as well, like Declan Ryan, Joe Hayes, John Kendi. Kevin Ryan, and Dan Quirk, on paper they were every bit as good as us. So that's why I always felt that first game against Canolti, if we could have got over that line, that we were going to go a long way.
0: And full back, Pater also remembers that Canolti match in the semi final.
2: the Titford had for a long time between the two of us. We'd win one, they'd win one, whatever. In terms of quality, they had a serious team. Always had were sprinkling of inter county players, same as ourselves. But I think in the 90s we took over from there. And it ended up in us winning three West titles in a row, which we have never done before. But going back to that period, the catalyst for me, for that team, was Seamus King bringing Justin to town. Really would you about. call it a masterstroke? Yes, one of the best I think I've seen in a long time in terms of sport. We were interviewed individually as to what her ambitions would be, what her intentions would be, and where we could see ourselves developing. That stuck out in my mind, that time. We knew the situation had changed, and that commenced then with the training. Total different attitude to training. You daren't miss training, because if you did, you're on the hind foot then for the next game. Justin brought a lot of professionalism to the team. What stood out to me, first of all in 1990, we got to a county final, and we were beaten unfortunately. Came back to town. We all wanted to go home, but there was a victory parade organized and Justin says you're getting up on the truck and you're going to go down around the town on the parade. And how did you feel then when you were on that truck Arsh- knowing that you had last that we We were gutted but he insisted because he felt the supporters in Casualty and Commerce deserved it and the people of the town. So we got up in the truck and it was probably the longest parade we were ever on where we got off the truck and ladies well and he asked everybody individually how do you feel and we were sick and he says this time next year it'll be all different. Another thing that stood out for me that time, I think it was the 90-county final, we were all in the dressing room, getting ready, and somebody brought in these miraculous medals. Some lady in St. Pat's had went to the trouble of getting a little string and the miraculous medals, and we all got one each. That stuck out for me because that told me what it meant to the people of
3: Cashel.
0: John, Bob is with us as well. Your memories are 91. Which one stands out most? Middleton down Manchester? Uh, I
3: think that was a really sweet win. because was a tough match. They on the 8th of December. It's a tough conditions. They had five or six Cork county. That's casual had the same. I mean, I think there was only two pints in it in the end.
0: Very lost Gordon?
3: Very low score, yeah, but conditions like heavy field and just going back to Justin McCarthy, the way he trained, everything was with the ball at speed. I was playing in the goal and I remember I'd be doing as much as the ball. he'd come into me and he'd give twenty minutes with balls coming both sides and whatever, like and there was no let up. And he started me trying to do this short poke out and quick poke outs and he wanted you to have the ball in your hand be ready with the two wing backs, Remy and Connell. He wanted them getting the ball to put it across the others. Everything was across the field, diagonal hits giving the forward a chance to get on the ball and just following on from John. On there the day in Mitchelltown, coaches
2: always kinda of referred to this game will be won or lost in the half forward midfield area, whatever. Justin came in to myself, Tony and Mike Purdue and said this game will be lost in the full back line. Why? Because that was the challenge. Their full forward was line. He was he trying to get under you? Oh yeah, absolutely. He he was leaving us in no doubt as to what the battle we were going into. And their full forward line was not. So you were out to prove a point. Absolutely, to him. absolutely. And thank God we did. And Inspector
0: Brendan Bono once again.
5: Our first game was the week after the county final. We went down to Ennis. In the second half, we ran out easy enough winners. And there was no talk of Munster, no talk of when We went down to play that game. After that game, we decided that, yes, look, we'll take a shot at it as a group. But Justin wanted to win that game, I'd say, more than any other game we played. Why was that? He wanted to show that he's a proud Cork man but he would have got a few raw deals down there and he would have been disappointed with certain elements of the way things turned out for him and he just wanted to show that he was capable of training a team, that he was capable of putting in the work. And we were talking to those players afterwards, and they said if anybody told us the score was going to be 12 points to 8, well, we would have felt that we were definitely going to be the 12 points, that we couldn't score any less than 12 points. And that's the way they felt about it. But yet, Justin put everyone under pressure that that was a game we had to win. And it wasn't that it was a monster club it wasn't it was a cock team that we had to go out and beat and he put that pressure on us which was great like but he put the pressure on everybody and it was a game the fellas went out and had to win it for him and he'll
0: be he did exactly that
4: oh we did yeah i remember the build up to that game the game against Clare Castle was the week after the county final. So it was a game, we were just going down to play it, and if we won, we won, if we lost, we lost. We were after getting our county final the week before. So then after we beat Clare Castle, we said, yeah, cheers. we're going to have a cut at this. And I remember the meeting before the Munster final. Justin McCarthy over the Palace, and he went through Middleton team. What he didn't know about every single player he just went through every single one of the players, even their subs. He says, I mean, if this fella's going to go bad, he says, they're going to bring on this fella. He just knew so much about Doug So Hurley. meticulous, and isn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. Like, it was just one a dogged game. And like, we had TJ was a 20-year-old knocking Pat Hartnett. He had a savage game. Torrent him. Oh, Torrent. Yeah, Bo Curley's from the world goal. And then, of course, Column. Second half, John Fenton just wasn't able for him. He was up and down, up and down the field.
0: And what about the full-back, Petr as he was marking Kevin Hennessy, all-star, all the midlist? I wonder, what was his game plan?
2: Get out in front of him and dictate the play. Win possession, let him follow you. Because I think Hennessy had played against Tip, I think, that previous year. And he got some fantastic scores. He's six, foot six I think, or six foot five. So I knew I had him in height, but craft-wise, experience-wise, he had the upper hand. Were you happy with your overall performance? I was, because I kept him scoreless. And I suppose that's all a fullback can do. Talk to me about James Yordanho. Oh sure, Jamesy was key part of that team as well. Did he not score the first in the last he did that game? He did. He did. Jamesy was consistent. He was with Good skill levels. Very committed. Jamesy had the pleasure of driving up and down with Justin in the car to training. And it's even mentioned in Justin's book that Justin used to play tapes of hurling matches. Normal people play tapes of music, but that's what. Jamesy had to listen to on the way up and down every night. But Jamesy was a key part of that team. But there were so many people came back to Cashel at that time. John Grogan was another one. You know, it was a culmination of probably four generations of different hurling stages. My minor team, I was the only one that made it through. It was a huge coming together of like-minded people, superb athletes as well. It was the. Phyllis had played on the 1973
5: County Minor Final. We lost that one. We won the 74 County Minor Final, hurling and football. We won the 75 Minor Hurling Final. We lost the 76 County Final, hurling and football. We won the 80, and there was players from every single year on the team. What is it about Cashel, so much success? It was from Montra Carey's time and Brother Noonan's time in the school and within the club and just a bunch of players that they kept together and like Tommy Rogan has five West medals minor hurling. That it's means he was out top in Yeah and to be in county final minor and 73 we were beaten by Sarsvins, 74 we beat Lockmore, 75 we beat Holy Cross and 76, Lockmore beat us. And all those Lockmore teams went on and they won county titles, hurling and football, long before we got to the stage of winning. It took us that bit longer, but it would have all came from the
3: work at juvenile level.
0: John Bob, go back to the Munster final for a moment. Describe how you felt straight after the final whistle was blown. Oh, sure, I felt wonderful.
3: Half of the players, the backroom team, and there with the Angus Ryan, Brendan, the selectors, mm-hmm. like there was such an effort put into it. The facilities weren't there in Cashel that time. The new restaurants weren't there. We were beyond in the old restaurant rooms. They did keep there every night. You had your tea, biscuits, sandwich, whatever you wanted, like. George Maloney himself used to look after that, and they were great times, I mean, that year Cashel also won the Junior A and the 21. Brendan was on the Junior team, like. Steve, even that team won a double West Senior Hurling,
2: West Senior Football in the one year. In 1990. Correct, and we were beaten by Lockmore in the semi-final. We lost a lot to win a lot. We learned as we went. I suppose the management team were
3: brilliant, like, because they were getting us all together. We went out to Rockwood at four o'clock in the day. And Conor Bonham was up from Killarney, there was no one missing. Johnny who was up from college. The week before the county (coughs) final, training was at two o'clock on a Wednesday. Everybody had to get off work and be there,
5: and they did, everybody arrived. Just going back a bit, you had Angus and John Darmody were selectors of all those teams in the county minor final, going back in the early 70s. And they commanded a lot of respect and like as selectors they would have known every player inside out. He had no strength and conditioning coach way back then, how did you manage? Justin took the physical as well. There wasn't any real emphasis put on the exercise end of it, but more so the running. And running with the ball.
0: We know you went to London, you won that game, then you went on to yeah, Kiltormach in the, the Old game. Ireland. Yeah. The saga.
5: Yeah, and it was a saga because the management wanted the game played in Turles. Because Cashel had played all their games in Turles. Did you want it in Turles? Yeah, the management wanted the game in Turles. And it was the club's privilege to get it there but they decided that it was best to have the game played in our own field for the town for the supporters for everybody Would you be okay with that? Yeah we had to play it but I had to go to the committee meeting and request from them that we play the game in Turles Is that because a bigger pitch you wanted? It was to... a bigger pitch it was a pitch we knew well And, and suited and the bias better? It suited us better we thought but it also then felt that Kiltorma were not coming down to our backyard. Was that going to put extra pressure on you then. It put extra pressure on us, whereas that first game, we were lucky enough in the end, we didn't play that well. The crowds that went to all of those, the support we had, and the support from outside the club, from the whole West division, came
0: behind us. John, people travel from far and White to see you there because, because the
3: Reap would say the casual, there was a great crowd in Cashel for the draw match and then we had to go to the Low to play the following two weeks, I think. And so many people came from all over. Cashel people that were in Dublin, that were in London, would be great support. And it's back to Ailby once again as I put it to him
0: that Cashel King Comics are the only team in the West to ever win the Munster Club Championship.
4: And the only one, yeah, because I remember I used to walk above in the Brian Baru and the Canoltey lads would come in slagging me saying he's still intermediate and uh, I'd be saying Kevin Ryan and and Morris Quirk and, and I'd be saying to him I, we're still intermediate but I say when we do come back up senior and we will, we'll still be the only team in West Abriere by the Munster club final. But there was always great rivalry between those but back to the Hurling, the Munster was just, it, it was the icing on the cake special yeah and the week after that Monster final we played a 21 county final so you had a lot of lads that were on the bench like we had savage talent there i mean like we two county minors that couldn't make the team timmy and shawnee and then you had like sean slattery that's why when you went training then as well you couldn't be late the one thing you didn't want to do was get injured at any stage because there's always someone else there for your place
2: you know, just going back to Justin, how professional he was, Stevie, regarding hurleys of training, he'd take the hurley off you and he'd say, that thing is too heavy at that end and it's too light at the top.
0: Did you realise when you were playing with that hurley, that this is no, not the hurley that suits No,
2: me? I didn't. He'd take it away, he'd bring it back the following week, you wouldn't recognise it, it was so balanced. He was a bit aware of the casual team, if you know what I mean. Everything was possible,
3: nothing was impossible. The night before the county final and the Munster Club final, Dennis Heffernan, Lord Mercy, him used to come into the room where we were and he'd sing a song called The Impossible Dream. Everyone kind of just...
0: But that dream came true when
3: yeah, you wouldn't so? Yeah, won yeah, something. Father Maloney at the same Father time. Father Maloney wrote, wrote a poem, a song. Poster, song as well, about the kings of the rock.
5: Justin's thing was that he was actually coming home, that the McCartys were the kings of the rock and the McCartys were the kings of Munster and
2: we should be the kings of Munster. If you had a dream, that dream came true.
0: Yeah, all without a
5: doubt.
2: But if you look at the song, Stevie, Fathomel only captured every piece of that history, that connection, that attitude. Back to LB once again As they went over to West London To take on Sean Tracey's
4: in Ryslip And I wonder How did some of the supporters manage Financially Sean Rogers was in the credit union And his son John Rogers was But uh, more people went down And got loans to do up their house Carpets A new fridge A new stuff But of course it was all to go to London It was like we were in London But we were in cashing as well was Cats, a connection yeah, there it was wasn't it a connection
2: no, there was the captain of Sean Tracey's At that time Stevie Knock a
0: and Inspector
5: Brendan once again. My involvement, I was there for nine years as selector, so at the start of it was Dinny Ivers and Peter Sullivan. They were tremendous because the thing had kinda of tailed off. The first year then that we were involved in, we got to the county semi final for the first time in forty years, I think. We were beaten by Boris Lee the year before won the All ireland Club. And you also had Jojo who if no matter what we wanted, he would get so he got the famous red track suits and the boots then we got the Garbys when he was instrumental in that Tommy
3: Maloney used to milk so,
5: milk, milk from Torles after training yeah after training
3: people only needed to be asked Sean McCarthy came to every match as a doctor and never, yeah. never looked for money. Or... those oh. are the people that really makes the club absolutely Stephen like it there's
2: only when you look back in it hindsight is perfect vision but when you look back at that era you know the amount of people that came on board put their shoulder to the wheel not for any tank or gratitude or whatever it was for the good of the King Comics. And I think the club has driven on from there. You can see the benefits of it. Even today, if you go around Lee Park, you can see the facilities that are up there. But people came, they gave, and they asked for nothing in return. Another one of
5: those was Willie the Dissel, president at the time, and he'd be up at the Rock Club every time we were there, and we used to meet at the Rock Club. We had massive supporters
0: and always had them. And Brendan went on to confirm that his father, on his 74th birthday, came on as a sub in a football match out in Solahead on St. Patrick's Day, 1991. The one occasion that we did play with
5: that he had to come on was in Salahhead a football game. It was Paddy's Day. It was a parade in town and we left the town here that morning, no mobile phones. He was seventy-four, it was his birthday. And there was a nephew from England had come over for Paddy's Day and he was sixteen, so he came with me and Pierce in the car and ALB. That was four uh, when we got there. But Next thing, nobody was turning up. There was no spectators. There was no one on the sideline. We started the first half. I had a nephew in goal. Hadn't it clue He thought he was a soccer goalie. Then he'd kick it out of his hand and down the field. So Willie Morrissey was the referee. We had only thirteen. You had to have fifteen. Fifteen. To sit down. And I said to Willie, "Can I put on my father?" And then he says, uh, "I don't care who you put on. I, I need fifteen people." He said. So I said, "Right, so." I told Pierce to win corner forward. India, he went in corner forward and your man started marking him. So it made it much more open for us and we were short in numbers but it, like the full forward line that day ended up Jeremiah, John Grogan and Pierce. But I remember the goalie got the ball anyway and we father went in with the foot and really Morrissey
0: left and blew a free out. And we father said, well, you could do it in my day. Brendan continued. What a fantastic year 1991 was for the Cashin King Cormicks Club. Fantastic year for the club, and the club is the families that are there at the time. It's the same as
5: today, there are brilliant new families there today, and it's the people that make the club, it's the families that make the club, everybody that puts their shoulder to the wheel. And it doesn't make a difference where you come from, what you do, if you're willing to work and put in the effort. We had brilliant times back then, and I'm sure we're going to have them again because at juvenile level you can see them up in the field, willing to put the shoulder to the wheel. And going back to the team itself. There was three Slatterys, three Donahues, the Bonners, there was three Fitzells, there was Grogans, Ramey and TJ Cousins. The rest of the lads are basically all from the 87 West Minor team that went on to win. Timmy Maloney, Pudsey, Sean Morrissey, Shawnee Baron, Joe O'Leary and Timmy Maloney they were all on that and there was just two others that's like another family and then there was two others Liam Devitt from the 80 team and Don Higgins was there and he was from the 74 to 76 teams So there was a lot of family connections A lot of family connections there was brothers on every team that had played along plus fellas were coming as a bunch of players from an age group and felt very comfortable coming into it
0: And a big thank you once again there to Brendan Bonner also to his brother El- be, to the goalkeeper John Ryan bob and full-back Pat O'Donoghue This is Tipperary Midwest Radio Sport with Stevie O'Donnell,
4: The real voice of Tipperary
0: well, That's all we have time for this week folks Thanks again to Stevie and Francis and also Tipperary Midwest Radio for the use of the audio Huge thank you to Brendan and A.L.B. Bonner John Ryan bob as well as Pat O'Donoghue for their contributions and we wish Cashley Hill Cormach all the best in 2021 in next week's episode, we'll have a look back on Galty Rover's successful period from 1999 to 2003. Until next time, Tibbard Arnabu.